I was in Mexico <laughs> with my partner and like we were at a family party and there was the banda playing and like we were just eating, having some drinks and I got really drunk and I told him when I die, I want everyone to like, as my casket is going down to like jump in with me. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I can't live without her and then just like <laughs> jump in. <laughs> That's a good, that, that's a fantasy that people talk about a lot, but very few people are like, and I definitely want that to happen. So I appreciate yeah. your commitment to like, yeah, and he that was, must happen. He was sad about it. And then I was like, why are you sad? That's Mexican culture, death, you know? like. So you want everyone to jump in and then they, just for the lowering and then they can climb back out yeah. or you want them to be buried alive with you? Oh, no, no. Okay. That would be so evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but I mean, maybe, I respect maybe, that you know, as well. Just <laughs> but I okay. If I go, everyone has to go. It all <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, if no one's dying, I especially love that. That's oh, great. Okay. Yeah, like just like so dramatic to the point, like just like ah, oh, like tears coming out, and then just drop and like yeah, you know, twist your ankle a bit, and like <laughs> right. stay there for a bit. And it's then- like a dance line where everyone gets to make it their own a little bit. You get to do your own little performance. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that would be so – yeah, that would be really funny. Is that an actual <laughs> Mexican tradition or you're just saying death in general no, is Mexican? No, death in general. Okay, okay. And like to like enjoy death – like not enjoy death but like the beauty of it, mm-hmm. you know? And not to run away from it. It's not to run away. Like- yeah, like fall into the casket. Maybe you <laughs> pop out like a beer and start drinking it there. Like you know, <laughs> pull out your Bluetooth speaker. <laughs> but it has to be in the hole with me. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. My name is Dave Marr. I'm a comedian who lives in Chicago, survived a coma. It was a month long, about eight years ago, and I woke up with questions, which I ask on this podcast. And the guest whom of whom I am asking these questions is Stephanie Alma, singer, Chicago singer, uh, member of the band Raro. You can find her Instagram and Raro's Instagram on the show notes. And if you're listening this to this late enough, I will have updated with the link to the album that they're coming out with in June, it sounds like. And the album's called From Your Fear I Learned. So if it's not June 2023 yet, then just kind of sit with that. You know, just think about that. Just think about what a good album title that is. Follow Raro on Instagram and and wait for them to announce the the drops to the album. Stephanie is a partially blind individual, a, a you know, fellow disabled person. Although our disabilities are very different, which which I do mention in the full conversation on Patreon, patreon.com slash Dave Marr. You can always get those full conversations and all the other bonus audio I post at any level, $5 for the afterhead level, $15 if you want to become a pigeon level patron and get your name shouted out, like Fred Fidawa, Susie Carroll, Kurt Chang, Katie Llewellyn, John Lee, Debo, and Shuba Singh. And so I just wanted to mention that Stephanie 
and I talk about disability a ton, talk about crip culture and the things, you, you know, the ways in which disability has uh, crept into every area of her life and, and ex- sort of defi- not defined because that, that's the struggle, right? Is like, um, and I, I even say to her at one point that I don't think of her as just a disabled person. You know, I think of her as a musician uh, who does a lot of great disability justice work. But when, you know, especially with disability, you know, I have experienced this from both angles, people being very interested. For me, it's type 1 diabetes, people being very interested how it works, but not wanting to ask too many questions. But there's this thing of like, and okay, I'm going to go into a kind of a weird realm here, talking about the curiosity of strangers. Okay. At its, at its least damaging, the curiosity that people have about trans people, the, to be clear, totally inappropriate questions about, Oh, you're trans. Do you still have X, Y genitals? Did you undergo X, Y surgery? Do you take hormones? You know, all this stuff. Um, I, it, I both recognize the complete inappropriateness of that stuff. I have felt the frustration of being asked questions that are kind of off the mark or ill-informed. And I've also felt the curiosity of like, oh my God, you're partially blind. Like, tell me exactly, you know, and I, and I do, there are moments where I ask Stephanie to like be specific about her vision and, and, what it literally looks like to be her, you know? Um, but I think there's a way in which that also can feel very dehumanizing to be treated like a, like a dissected frog a little bit. So I tried to, to talk to Stephanie from that perspective, from someone who has experienced all of those sides of that in a very different way to bring a lot of curiosity, a little bit of humility. I'll admit that I don't have the most humility and just to connect as a person. So it's up to you to decide if I succeeded at that or not. And, you know, if I did succeed at that, if you enjoy this conversation, please tell your friends that, that, iTunes podcast, Apple podcast, um, review section is looking pretty lonely. So you could, you could add a review that, you know, and you can say whatever the text is you want, but if you give five stars, you're allowed to criticize me in, in any way you want or offer compliments. I'll always accept a compliment. So I would love for you to spread the word, but right now just Sit back and enjoy my conversation with Stephanie Alma. I grab your whip and take it back to Shatown. When I'm in Shatown, I treat it Paint like- Your Hell. A custom hell designed for you, Stephanie Alma. <laughs> and I've been thinking about this. Okay. okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I want to tell you everything. Wait, what? I don't what? want people to come to my shows and like freaking open a nest of birds and the birds start playing. Now I just said it. I hate birds. 
Hey, but yeah, I hope that doesn't. That's happen. a really common. That's a, such a common thing is to bring a nest of birds to a concert. <laughs> a nest, well, a cage of birds, and just like, oh, oh. it's a beautiful moment. It's like, no, it's not. A- <laughs> oh, really? The like letting doves go or something. All that's of that, like, like just it's the sound, the fluttering of the wings. Really? And, like, yeah, I think it's just like, being in the city and like traveling so much, like on the CTA, and every time you walk in, like the lonelier spots, there's. There's like millions of birds. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I don't know how to get through them right now. <laughs> sure. Is it that they're so like unpredictable and the flapping oh, yeah. alerts like, you to that? And it feels like they're just going to run into me. Like they don't care. But that's just the yeah, end. That It's just strange. <laughs> okay. Okay. So the, but, the presence of birds is part of this hell. Yeah. But honestly, the, the real hell would be school in general like the system yeah education sure yeah that would be real real bad you're the second there you're the second person in a row episode wise uh our last our last hell was a jewish middle school so what is there a specific level of school or type of school do you go to a specific charter school private public public schools okay and i know you know, they're like underfunded and all of those sure, things. Sure, sure, sure. But I went to many. Like, we moved almost like every year, and then I went to like a new school. That's right. Within Chicago, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I went to Finkel. I went to Hammond. La, Name names. Okay. Christopher Columbus. You're hearing it, Finkel. Portage Park. <laughs> <laughs> Talcott, did I say? Lockett. Oh, man, so many. Hell yeah. Just so many. And every time I was a new girl, you know, and sure. then having a disability too. It's like, yeah, yeah. Is that the what were the specific hellish parts of school? It, being a new girl, or was there other stuff that was even worse? No, just the the reality of it, like the the level of like not caring for disabled students. Okay, like, I think that's where a lot of my anger comes from. Sure. Like the level of like. Just disregard these kids. Okay. They'll be okay. Like, Whatever. can you, what are like examples that, that you can think of? Just everything. It's all messed up. It, like the, the goals that they have for us, you know, okay. or the, even thinking about IEP meetings, like what was really important for them. The individualized education plans? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they would set your goals for you? Yeah, and I think, you know, we'd have conversations and stuff, but, like, nothing was really real. You know, it was just, like, let's complete these IEPs. Okay. We need to finish them by this date. Right, right, right. And try to get your parents out. And that's another thing. Like, they never really understood, like, how important family was to the whole thing. Like, Mm -hmm. just, yeah, try to get your parents out. Well, my fucking parents are working all the time. Like, they, how? Like, you need to find a better way, you know? Yeah. Like, not, it's like, there's got to be another way that they can participate and still we can talk about serious goals. Sure. Not- like, what would be your ideal of like a thing to be in that and versus something that they gave you? Um, I think that like forgetting the IEP in general, like throwing it out. Okay. And just going into a room together or even. On a phone call, if that's what would make everybody feel more comfortable mm-hmm. and they can spend more time out of work, 
after school, whatever it needed to be, so they can actually participate and like talk even and with siblings as well, like bring my siblings up, everybody. So we all understand what's going on. Because okay. I feel like a lot of my life was spent telling people about myself. Like, this is what's going on. This is what's... Yeah, and, like, yeah. even my own family not understanding. Right. And I feel like that should not happen. Like, I feel like I was diagnosed when I was six years old. If you're that young, like, intervention needs to happen quicker, you know? Mm. In better intervention. I don't know. A lot of the resources that I found were later on, like, in high school. Meanwhile, okay. like, I had peers also visually impaired or blind, like already doing Braille and doing all this and doing all mm. that. But it's like we had different backgrounds, you know. And so a lot of the like resources, like resource reserves and, and like we never tapped, got to tap until like later, later, later. Yeah. And so that's what you mean me by so intervention angry. is like teaching Braille, th that kind of thing. Um, Considering the whole thing, moving away from like, what society thinks is the right way of yes, learning. Yes. So like there was there was so much pressure. I mean, I had doctors tell my parents that like she needs to sit at the table with a patch on her eye and work on each eye uh, reading yeah. text for an hour a day every day. Right. That shit was so sad because I couldn't see. Like yeah. I was so close to the books and like my dad would bring me and I was young at the time. Like he would bring me like Disney books, and he would try, you know. And I was like, "Ooh, yeah, Disney stories." Yeah. And then I go, and it's like, "Oh, Ugh. well, this really sucks." Like I don't want to see another book. But I was, I didn't know yet. Like, oh, there are audio audio books. Right. I could learn. I can do auditory learning, mm -hmm, and I can start mm -hmm. that right now. Right. That's a skill too. Right. I can learn Braille. I could start that right now. I could learn Jaws, a screen reader. I could start that at age six. Wait, what not is that, Not at Jaws? 21. Yeah. This just wasted a lot of my time as a disabled person. I think that's why I'm really fierce about like disability culture, crip culture. Yeah. Because it is... People need to accept that. Like, I'm, I identify as a person with disability. Yeah. My life is going to be different. Get, like, throw your fucking... At your normal standards to the garbage like right. i don't want to see those things anymore those are not helping me you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like ah uh, so yeah you're not you're not looking for a, a tool to do things normally so mm -hmm. so to speak you're looking for like the definition of normal to be redefined yeah and then looking for tools to help me with my life like right now like right now i think the biggest barrier there are many but one big one i can think of at the top of my head transportation yeah. and this is a barrier for my work right now because like just being a vocalist being in like mm -hmm. musical groups traveling for different gigs and taking my gear like sometimes like they won't even want me to take my gear in the car like uber rides and right stuff like that. right 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 but yeah so i would like that's what's important right now what tools are going to help me with my career right now mm -hmm. if you even consider what i'm doing a career like you know like that's, <laughs> I know that that's another problem yeah. like i'll go to the, like Icrywood or like rehab services and i'm like okay like i need um magnifiers and stuff and like are you in school no i already earned my bachelor's degree and yeah are you working? Well, kind, but you know, like not a nine to five, but yeah. well, then no, we can't help you. Like you have to be nine to five or school. And then if not, like you're, you're not getting these. 
magnifiers. What? And so, yeah, yeah. So, which is sad because mine just broke. And like, I'm like, what am I going to do now? Ugh, that's horrible. So, yeah, more. You see, IEP meetings, we should have talked about that. Like, what am I going to do when both, like, they, when they deny me? Yeah, things, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I feel like that carries over to, like, all schools. Like, so many of us feel like school didn't teach, like, actual life skills, you know? Yeah. Like, how am I, how do I deal with, like, the constant rejection of people without just, like, crying and bawling, you know? <laughs> sure. like Yeah, like some emotional skills. <laughs> Yeah, like even getting the COVID test for today. Like, yeah. I showed up and I was like, man, if I have to beg this guy, fine, you know. And it was a long line, so I was waiting. I'm like, well, I waited so everyone can wait, you yeah, know? Like, yeah. So I'm like, okay, I need help and like I need assistance to see the the test, right? Yeah. So I need you to help me um, just look at the results. Right. And do whatever needs to be done. I I mean I can put the swab, yeah, you know, like, yeah. but I know every test is different, so I never know like what right. exactly the procedure mm-hmm. will be. And he goes away. He asks like another girl, another person that was working there, and I'm facing myself like towards them, like just letting my, them know, like I'm hearing you, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the woman is like, well, we're not legally required. To do it. And I'm like, what? I'm sick of this bullshit. That's what when people say, like, we need to go above right. the law mm-hmm. for like Americans with disabilities mm-hmm, act and all mm-hmm. that. That's what they mean. Like, so she's over here, like, oh, well, like, I don't have to legally do that and all this. And and then she saw me and she's like, you're not wearing a mask and all this. And like, I don't have symptoms. Like, I just need it for work. I said, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then the guy just helped me really quickly. But I was like, you know, like, I was already, like, on the verge of, like, tearing up because oh, so, I was no. so mad, you know? Like, I'm like, if I literally have to beg you to help me see this test, like, and then I just go, my mind just expands, like, oh, my God, humanity is just going yep. to garbage. Yes, like- <laughs> yes, totally, totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I appreciate you getting the test. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, it makes me feel really safe, you know? Um yeah. To do that. I'm sorry to have put you through the, or indirectly, you know, been part of of that process. But we were doing the right thing. I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, yeah. okay. So school, birds, <laughs> any other elements to this hell? No. I don't want to get too emo. <laughs> hey, you can get I as get, emo as you want, but that's okay. I can be very emo. <laughs> yeah. What do you hope happens when you die? Well, yeah, I hope the the music that I'm making, like that, you know, that's kind of like my print, like that will survive, okay. you know, that means a lot to me and like telling my story. You know, sometimes when you make something and you're like, oh, okay, I can go now. <laughs> like, sure, <laughs> I mean, sure. I don't really, you know, totally. feel that way, but I'm like, oh, okay, like I said, at least I did that part, you know, Um, but I hope that when i die i'm not hoping for anything anymore like i'm not wanting anything like i'm just in peace you know okay so that would be you hope that you're not hoping, hoping. for anything yeah that okay. it's just done like and then that way like death is like peaceful you know like sure really like there's nothing no more yeah not even your own consciousness yeah I hope okay it's just 
Does life feel like a condition of constantly hoping for and wanting things? Um, It used to, but no, not anymore. And if I am hoping, I'm hoping for literally like the next hour. Okay. okay. <laughs> like, oh, I hope in the next hour I make it home safe and sure. just do what the next thing is. And How did that change? Um, just realizing that like this hope for the far future is like so elusive and also like what we're doing is already happening now in this moment. This is what it is, you know, and yeah. like so just not waiting for some fake something to happen later on. It's like, we're doing what we have to do for ourselves right now. Like, yeah. We don't need anything else to come into our lives in the future. Anyone else to come in and, and change it. And like, we we already are doing what needs to be done, you know, right mm-hmm. now. So yeah, like hoping for like the next hour or like the next day maybe, but I not too much further than that yeah well but i like that that also because you've said some things that could seem to contradict that but i don't think they do like you know the desire for things to be different the desire for the world to not respond with brushing you aside or um for for people to be more understanding of the situations of other people and not to be stuck in their rigid ways of thinking. But I don't think that that. But like, we're not in, it's not heaven on earth. It's already hellish here, you know, like, so I feel like because of that, like that's the work we have to do here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Um, And I also think is the, the way you were talking about your music, I think because 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 when I think about hope and when I think about sort of ambitions and all that kind of stuff, it's always career stuff that it hits the hardest. And I, I've ha- I had a lot of it's taken me a lot of mental work to break up and dissolve some of the specific sort of toxic dreams that I had, mm-hmm. things that were outside of things that I could control. Yeah. So I like that your desire is like, it, it it it's all up to you. It's like creating songs for the things that you have made to live on, not for like, oh, to have to be big enough by the time I die to get a statue. So you know no, what I mean. That's not a way to live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has to be like the organic, like natural growth. Right. Have you always had sort of a humble approach to it's about the work? and the things I want to make or were there times before when you, you were like, fuck it. I want to be Miley Cyrus or fucking, (laughs) I don't know. Is it like Selena or something? Was that like, you know, in your, in your, I think in the beginning. Right. And then as I did more like research, I'm like, man, I really don't want to be those people. Like those people, sometimes I'm like, man, they, you know, when you're like, they could be doing so much more and all that. Like, I, yeah, and and not to say that, like, oh, it's just about the work, because I'm not ignorant to the fact that everything that we sure. do is, like, very individualistic. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. is, as much as we want to be, like, to help others, yep. like, you're really helping yourself first, you know? Sure. So, and, yeah, I mean, I, I've had, like, 
I do have my dad like constantly also like he has told me like you need to do more cumbias, you know, like you need to, <laughs> you know, you need to do the Spanish songs and and the um because he thinks that like Selena, you know, that's what's gonna blow you up or something. Yeah. Okay. And I'm like, I just learned so much. I'm like, if you're not in the world of music, I'm. I'll listen to your advice, but <laughs> if you're not there with me, really, like walking through that universe, yeah, then I can't really take your advice fully because you don't really understand what's going on, you know? Like, sure, of course. Um, I could do cumbia songs and, and do, but that's just not right now yeah. what I have. Like, that's not what I'm doing creatively, but... Yeah. If it happens, it happens, and I'll be fine with that. Like, yeah. if I decide next week I want to do some cumbias and stuff, cool. You know, like, I, I do give myself that. I allow myself to, like, change. And that's because, I mean, that I learned from my disability because just the constant change and, like, how I always have to be accustomed. Like, every two years, you know, I don't know, like, what's going to be different in my vision. Sure. What else I'm going to need. So I'm like, although two years ago I said I really enjoyed, um, I don't know, crossword puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> now I hate them and don't want to see them again because I can't do them. Like, yeah. And, yeah, but yeah. Is that a yeah. real example? Yeah, maybe. Okay. <laughs> it also feels very uh, lockdown related. Yeah. Crossword puzzles versus, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was definitely with my magnifier, like, <laughs> circling the words, like, <sighs> <You know? laughs> yeah but i passed that book on to someone else now <laughs> okay okay this podcast comes from my second one-man show which was set in the afterlife and in this show i laid out the premise that in the afterlife you get to fully relive one memory. Mm. You have to choose one, almost like a room you can pop into and out of whenever you want. I don't know why, but you know when you get really messed up and you're like, what the hell did I do sure. last night? So there was um, <laughs> my friend who's actually in Raro as well, but he has his own band. Um, they have a band. It's like Puerto Rican band, Puerto Rican music. Nice. And they were doing a show at the Clipper, and I was so excited. It was such good tunes. What's the name was, of the band? Uh, Piraguas y Piropos. Okay. I was, like, dancing with my friend DC, and, and you know, I was already super drunk, but I kind of remember when I go back, like, the haziness of, like, the lights and stuff. Uh-huh. But, yeah, we were dancing it up, and then, like, afterwards, all I remember is they kicked me out. Of the <laughs> and like it was freezing outside and like i didn't have my coat or anything oh and i was God. trying to get back in to get my coat but i'm sure like so this day i'm like they were just you know but i know it was me like, okay i know okay, okay. that was in a weird state but i remember like there was something really critical in my mind that i was thinking about like i was battling through something in my head like there was some idea you know sometimes when you get like the ideas that you're just like that kind of shift your life a bit because yeah they come out of nowhere but i can't remember why or what it was but i i may want to go back there because of all the like the big journey that it was like within an hour and a half or two hours yeah 
to see everything play out and like to see myself like what was bothering me so much. But then also the joy, like the dancing and all of that. Right. I think that would be something cool to kind of like repeat. Because then I know there was a good and then there was a bad. You know? Sure, sure. It's not just a utopia. Like, <laughs> you know? Well, so, okay. what? And it sounds like, is it just that you don't remember what the thing you were focused on was, but it still changed your life in some way? Oh, yeah. I knew it was the fire. It was the drive. It was like what's driving a lot of like my music and things i knew it i'm like it that's like the anger inside that like when you see your your therapist you're like trying to find what was it <laughs> it's like that night like it's like i was tapping into it and i can't remember what and i could ask my friends i'm sure they remember some things i was saying but yeah but it was anger yeah yeah okay so it sounds like you do remember some things about this problem yeah, it was like at the end. Of, and then, you know, them not letting me back in. Mm-hmm. To me, it was like a whole nother big deal. It's like, you're not letting me in, you know? This injustice? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I'm sure like everything just kept tumbling down. But nobody cared and nobody was listening. That's where were your where were your friends? Oh, they were take they were they were there for me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Were- and my partner was just there for me. The whole night. Yeah. I remember, you see, some things I remember, like I was in the Uber ride, we were coming back. I completely kind of ruined it for him because he's like, oh, party's over. But yeah, I never, yeah. I don't do this. This is the, the only like time that I've done this in the past like 10 years or something. That's why it's such a big memory. Like, wow, I let myself really go. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> when but, was this? How long ago was this? Like a year ago. Okay. Okay. So we were, I remember we were in the Uber ride and we were going down Lakeshore Drive and I was just like screaming like, but my partner knows me so well. Like, he's like, no, you were doing like a singing thing, like a very high pitch, you know, like, and I'm like, oh yeah, I was probably like trying to like, I was testing my vocal or something. Okay. <laughs> right? But to the driver, he's like, miss, you're going to have to stop screaming. And I'm just like. Yeah, really high of Mariah Carey. Like, wow. <laughs> in my head. Trying to do your whistle tone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I just remember, like, I could just picture myself, like, going down Lakeshore Drive and just, like, yeah, just letting it all out, like, the highest pitch. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of terrible. <laughs> what, that you, that you tortured the driver in that way? The or? whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I love it. I mean, I'm curious about this. I'm very fascinated by this unremembered important yeah. lesson or or issue you were working through. It is that a is that a relationship you have with creativity in general? Is like you think of it as, oh, I, I have this drive, I have this yeah. passion i'm working through this thing but you don't know what it is exactly. yeah exactly. really yeah every time i write a song and if i tap too deep into it it's like this pain comes out really and when that pain comes i know like oh it's gonna be a good song you know but okay but then it's like gosh i thought i was past that but i guess i'm not you know is it just how does the pain come up is it attached to certain memories or it just a pure abstract it's feeling? the lyrics that come out like the the okay. words that sometimes i like the phrases that come out and i'm like 
And even when you're like, oh, you said something that's contradicting right now. Like, that happens a lot in my music. It's, it's a very contradiction. Cause it's a big contradiction because it's not like black and, yeah, and white. Yeah, of know? course. Like, and, and I actually yeah. didn't think it was contradictory. I just think there are there are moments when it seems like not having, you know, being present seems like it conflicts with wanting things to be different in the future, but they actually go together really well. So I wasn't saying, just to be clear, I wasn't yeah. actually <laughs> saying a contradiction, just a seeming contradiction. Yeah. Like a lot of my lyrics, like I'm just thinking about the song. It's called Blanco y Negro. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's called Black and White. But one of the, in the chorus, it, it goes like, and I'll say it in English, but it's like, just one line is cuerpos divinos bailando el sonido del desprecio. So it's like divine bodies dancing to the beat of of the like ungrateful, like, or being unworthy, right? Or, or devalued or something like that. But it's like, we're dancing to this, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like this devaluation. You know, like, okay, I don't know. Oppression? It's, yeah. But it's like, we're still, it's like, uh, no sé quién me duele más, el desprecio o el olvido. Like, I don't know what hurts me more, like the devaluing or the feeling forgotten. So it's like, huh, you know? Yeah. I pick and choose, like, okay, well, am I going to live in a world where I'm devalued or am I going to live in one where, like, completely forgotten and just stay inside and don't even interact you know yeah (laughs) so heavy heavy not too great choices yeah (laughs) both kind of bad choices to be honest yeah yeah working you see working through it and it's like when i wrote that i I wasn't sitting there like like i didn't start with that like just feeling so low or you know but it just comes out yeah okay and so is it always does that create an emotional sameness to the stuff you're making? Or do you ever worry like, oh, is everything I'm making like too emo, you said earlier? <laughs> or uh or is it just like, oh no, this is my wheelhouse. I know that this is where I live. Yeah. It's okay. more like that. It's like a feeling of comfort. <laughs> yeah. In a weird way. It's comforting. Okay. Yeah. And and when you were dancing at the California Clipper, there you you felt like you divine were divine bodies. Even okay. me and my friend DC, like he I know he has his own like struggles and yeah, there we go, like divine bodies just dancing to the beat of like you know, whatever all the, what I was saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's like again because you're going through those things that that little moment of just dancing for like 1 minute was like everything. That's the memory I want to go back to. You know? Mm. One of them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still just stuck on, I really, like, l- allow me to be thick a little bit for a moment. I just really want to, now I'm really in- invested, almost like a detective, in, like, <laughs> how we uncover this mystery that's driving your creativity is that what do you were you like trying to solve it in that moment or were you just like oh i found the perfect words for what it is when, do you think if you did remember oh. what it was that you were thinking about that it would dry up the well of creativity at all no okay i don't think so i really wish i could remember it because i think that it would bring me to another level 
you know? Mm. Like, I can finally surpass this and, like, work on a new thing, you know? Okay, okay. But I haven't surpassed it yet, and that's what gets me. It's like, oh, here comes again another painful story. And it's like, I do wish I could write, like, you know, I do write beautiful things, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it would be very interesting to get into, like, a new mindset. Because now I have more to explore, you know? So it doesn't feel like the stuff that you're working through is just like, oh, this is just my lifelong sort of task is to always be working through this. You feel like these are things that, no, I actually could completely work through this mm-hmm. and move on to a new thing. I Yeah. Really? Yeah. I was That's thinking that. Like, even with this album, we're dropping an album. Yeah, yeah. The Raro <laughs> yeah, album. Yeah, yeah. Right? And that... Once that dropped, like, okay, maybe that closes that chapter. Okay. But I'm not sure. And when does the album come out? Um, we got we have two singles coming out on Saturday. And this then, coming Saturday. Yeah. But when does the album come out? More in like June. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. It's taking a little bit longer, but it more in like June. Cool. Yeah. I'm excited. But yeah. you're okay, the working through things. It seems like a lot of the working through stuff is, I mean, tell me if I'm oversimplifying, but it feels like it's related to disability stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, the feelings of being devalued and forgotten, Mm -hmm. that shit seems very related to being a disabled person in current Western civilization. And and I would say a lot of... Class, right? Too sure, 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 sure. In culture, There's, and mm-hmm. like the double, the the triple, triple threat, right? <laughs> Mexican American and disabled, working Mexican class. American disabled woman, working class. Yeah, all of that. Just stack them up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> give me my credit. These no, are my cards kidding. for the oppression Olympics. <laughs> yeah, I want my credit. Hell yeah, <laughs> I want my piece of the pie. Yeah. <laughs> What's your coma? A moment of transformation where before you were one version of yourself and after you were another. Something came to mind because it is what I think about. Yeah. A lot as like a big moment. Yeah. And <laughs> again, it's not the happiest thing. <laughs> no, but <laughs> that's, that's great. Um, some of my like deepest conversations with my mom happen during our car rides. Okay. Like, always. That's that's kind of the most time we have with each other a lot of the times. Because she's just so busy. I'm so busy. You know, like. Mm-hmm. And there was a time she was still, she was going back to get her, her degree. I think it was about that time that she, it was after she got divorced um, from my dad. But we were in the car and it was just going good. You know, we had jams and we were always okay. singing. What were the, what are your <clears throat> jams with your mom? One of our jams is like the. Can't take my eyes off of you. Okay. Okay. The Lauren Hill version. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That was our like. I feel like like that was her dedication for me. I don't know if she <laughs> said that, but I just feel that Love when it. I hear it. And we actually got pulled over once, and we were because <laughs> I was so young, and we were like singing that song, and I remember I was in the backseat without a seatbelt, and Amazing. they pulled us over. But then they were like, "Oh, she's so cute," and then they <laughs> let us go. But that, yeah, that was a song, but. It was my mom. It was like the, she turned to me and she was just like, 
oh, I wish she wouldn't have said it, but she said it. She's like, like, I wish I could have done more, you know? And I'm like giving it a tear up because it pisses me off that she would even feel that way. Like, don't feel that way. Like, we made it through some difficult circumstances and you did amazing. Like, this woman can write like 30 books off of her life, you know? Mm -hmm, I'm like mm -hmm. in awe of her. But when she said that and then like... <clears throat> I couldn't see her tears, but I just felt like the moisture in the air and like, wow. And I was just so that changed. That was a big moment for me because I was like, Oh, like I see how like hatred of, of other people, like how that passes down through like generations and in, in families. You felt like that was like a self-loathing moment for her. Yeah. But it more like, like internalized, like racism. Mm. I felt like she felt that way because of how life was making her feel, you know, like when like, it wasn't like that at all. Like, psh. yeah, no. So but it was the feeling of, was the racism that she, she didn't do everything she had with the, like, if somehow it was under her control to better right. our circumstances. Right, right, right. Yeah, right. and it's like, no, there are so many other things in control. Like, mm -hmm. don't feel like it was your actions. Like, you tried your, you had, you were doing two jobs at a time, going back to school. Now look at her. Now she eventually got her, her own house. Mm -hmm. Um, We moved out of Chicago when she did. And, like, that's a whole other thing. Like, now when <laughs> I look at, like, Chicagoans and I'm like, hmm. <laughs> and mainly because I'm like, yeah, but a lot of you don't know that, like, there were many people here before who, like, now are mainly in, like, the south suburbs. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. they can't even, like, really say, like, oh, I'm sure. Like, the... the the pr the level of pride that now people take as like being a Chicagoan and mm -hmm. the way they exclude others, yeah, just because they don't live in the city. But for the reason being is like it's just so expensive here. Right, like, she couldn't have bought a house here. You're not a time. real Chicagoan because you didn't gentrify <laughs> it like I did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whoopsie. <laughs> but yeah, that that was the moment. What um, what did that do for you? How did that? change you it turned me around because up to that point like you know when you're young and you're like a brat and you're just like oh if my mom would have done this right, you know right. and if my if my dad would have done this and if like it's natural to have those feelings you know but that moment was like no no i will not treat you the way society has treated you mm. like i'm not gonna do that to you yeah i hope i don't do that you know yeah yeah i'm like no i'm not gonna continue this like this is shit like we're not gonna keep being mangled like this like no you know yeah like let's stop did it so it changed the way that you think about her did it has it changed the way that you interact with her like have you ever expressed that to her to tell her no i that? haven't but it, it's changed the way i've interacted with everyone with mm. people in general because i'm like always like it's the circumstances that they're trying to survive you know and that's what's talking to you most of the time and that's why it's so hard for me to right away like even 
cut someone off, even if they're kind of being ableist, you know? Because mm-hmm. I'm like, man, you're, you're kind of lost too. That's the show. Thank you for listening. Check out Stephanie and Raro on Instagram at those links in the show notes. Get ready and excited for the album From Your Fear I Learned. And if you want to hear the full conversation, go to patreon.com slash Dave Marr, become an afterhead or a pigeon level patron, $5 or $15 a month. If it doesn't sound like much to you, you are the perfect person who can support financially, and it really makes a huge difference to me. It's hard to explain, but it does. And yeah, share the show. Thanks for listening. And until next week, remember, you are a mist. And human beings, they do miracles.